Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from episode 14, in which Louise Campbell, Jorn Schottenberg, and I take a look at the highlights of what should be a very exciting second quarter. Since we didn't post this episode until Friday afternoon, we will forego the vault episode for a week, and it will return next week at the back end of our River Forum 14 session. After I start this conversation by regaling our audience with the travails that Jorn Schottenberg faced in getting home from California last weekend, and Louise Campbell discusses her upcoming ski trip in Western Canada, one going from Europe to the West Coast, the other going from the West Coast to Europe. Jorn starts the actual content portion of our meeting by recounting some highlights from his attendance at the third annual Liver Connect Conference, organized by the Chronic Liver Disease Foundation, and the subsequent AASLD Emerging Issues Conference on Nash Cirrhosis. He focused largely on the cirrhosis meeting, which encompassed the latest and hottest in cirrhosis drug development and disease understanding. He was particularly intrigued by a powerful presentation from our friend Scott Friedman, in which Scott shared the concept of hot versus cold fibrosis in terms of describing different pathophysiological progressions and how this might influence developing targeted therapeutics for inflammation versus for fibrosis. This strikes me as a clarion call for combination therapy with agents addressing different needs in the complex that is cirrhosis. And as a group, we focus on how to develop and stage combination trials that will address inflammation and fibrosis in parallel with different agents. The rest of the session includes our icebreakers with good personal news from some of us and some great news from me about increases in podcast listening and downloads. The next three months promise an array of exciting events here in Nashville, conferences, papers, and perhaps a key, really exciting regulatory milestone. You can hear the excitement and enthusiasm in our voices and our manner, so just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. This has been an interesting event to schedule. Professor Schottenberg will tell us later about some of his travails getting out of California and back to Germany and what that's done to his schedule. But the net result is, as you know, we usually post on Wednesday night. Well, this is Thursday afternoon, and we expect we'll be posting on Friday morning. But to have Jorn with us is absolutely worth it. There's no doubt about that. Jorn Schottenberg. Well, thanks, Roger. But after everything you've gone through to like get home and be here, it's a, it's a good thing. And uh, we have Louise, who will not be with us for the next two weeks because she'll be off skiing in Western Canada. So we'll get to hear her for, her for the last time in a little while. She'll We'll be back for our anniversary celebration, which I'll talk about later. And Louise, how are you today? Louise Campbell. I'm very well, thank you very much. Now, when do you pack out to Vancouver? Uh, Sunday. And I can't wait, but there's a strike. And, and I'm sure Jean's going to tell us a little bit about Germany. Where do we got a, a security strike. So I'm going to just relax as I go through the um, security system. <laughs> Because I'm on a holiday. So you need to get there eight hours early? No, they won't allow you to go much before the three. They're trying to manage it. But they have cancelled a fair few short-haul flights, so probably to Europe. So we apologise for all of our long-haul that are going. Well, I'm clearly jealous you're going skiing. This is a great time of the year for this, and I'm sure you're going to be enjoying it. It was going to propose that you join us after the slope, but sometimes skiing days are tough. They are tough. Well, but clearly I'm not that fit. So, yes, they will be tough, and I'm eight hours behind, so <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that, 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 more, more to the point. Western Canada is uh, Pacific time. At any rate, Jorn, why don't you tell us a little bit about how much fun you had uh, going from California to Germany? And then I'm going to ask you to give us a recap on what you on the two events in California, and then we'll do icebreaker and go to the main topic of today's, which is taking a look at what's going to be a rather extraordinary second quarter of events that we'll be covering. Your floor, my friend. Yeah, well, I was going to start with saying what actually brought me to California in the first place, because that was a lot of fun. There was um, the Chronic Liver Disease Foundation meeting, the Liver Connect and Nash Connect meeting, which was a great event hosted by the CLDF steering committee.
university and a lot of industry involvement. It was a great place just to, to get there and discuss and, you know, get the latest and hottest on, on development. So I really enjoyed being there. It was held in Huntington Beach and not too far out of Los Angeles, which was a, which is a pretty place for anybody who hasn't gone there. It's, it's worth the trip. I had some time off, so I went for a run down the coast and it was quite enjoyable. You know, the other meeting that was, I think, not intentionally planned on the same weekend, but it's been scheduled for some time by ASLDs, the Nash Cirrhosis Special Topic Conference. Uh, Mazen Redden was one of the organizers, along with Anime Deal and Robert Schwabe, a German colleague who's doing basic science and quite some interesting stuff on stellate cells in New York. So that was a meeting heavily focused on, on only Nash Cirrhosis. And I was involved in a session on therapeutic approaches, and we kind of went through the rational and background potential data that was available for a number of MOAs we're discussing here, including something on FGFs, PPARs, and uh, GLP-1s and cirrhosis. I found this very stimulating and interesting. If you were not able to follow it live, we should have a recap on that, maybe separate occasion, because it was worth it. Hoping to do so. In fact, unfortunately, I was hoping to view it, but I was not able to view it in real time, and there's no video follow-up, so I've I've missed that conference entirely. So the big question is, why don't we, with Nash cirrhosis being the most severe complication of NASH and something that the regulars have accepted as an area of unmet need, why don't we move into that field? But then the question is, and um, in one of the talks, Scott Friedman they used the term of hot and cold fibrosis. So addressing the concept that you have cirrhotic livers where there's active inflammation. And if you're studying an MOA that will bring down inflammatory changes in the liver, that's probably very useful in hot fibrosis. However, there's a clear condition when the so-called cold fibrosis is just progressing, fibrosis progression or cirrhosis uh, progression because stellate cells are talking to each other and it's not even necessary to have the outside insult anymore. And I think pathophysiological, that could be a different spectrum in particular if you're trying to apply a drug and stop fibrosis progression or cirrhosis progression. And that concept, again, the ability to have these brilliant basic scientists and, and Scott really, we had him on the podcast before, did such an amazing job in, in detailing some of those aspects, what he thinks where the field will go. I highlighted that. And I think from a drug development perspective, a clinical researcher, it's very intuitive that there are certain diseases that are more expensive to an anti-inflammatory, even the stage of cirrhosis. But then there's the point where probably the cirrhosis buildup is the most pressing problem. And I can't say that we have quite figured out yet, which, you know, if we take the biopsy, we, we, we stage it by fibrosis stage, the patient goes into the trial. If we see all components of the NAS, there's probably a spectrum within that. That's also related to differences in treatment response, obviously. That would virtually screen for some kind of combination therapy, right? Because if you have to deal with inflammation and you have to deal with fibrosis at the same time, that might be two different agents or maybe three different agents. You're right. And that's what the panel discussion was all about. So in the session I was involved, each speaker, and there was Mazen Norad and there was Naeem Al-Khoury, Manal Abdel-Malik presented on PPARS. Each of us, I did the GLP-1 part, each of us detailed one MOA. And we kind of figured in particular, if we have multiple drivers, the way forward is to combine this. Of course, that's the big question, which drugs would be working. And it could be depending on the baseline characteristics of the patient. Is he in a stage where he's actively fibrosing, passively fibrosing? Is it inflammation driving it? Do we need to control the metabolic derangement? So a lot of fun discussions and food for thought. That's why I like the special conference so much. So it's fascinating. I hear you talk about actively fibrosing and passively fibrosing. And I start thinking about how do you get the right patients into trials? Because if you have a combination therapy that you think is appropriate for one of those situations more than the other, and you simply use typical random screens to get people in, you're going to start knocking your efficacy rates down way down before you start because the target isn't clearly defined enough. But how good are the tests to clearly define the target right now? And is the FDA willing to accept that? I don't know the answer to any of those questions. I just know how to ask. And that 
kind of goes down the pipeline where we had a discussion with an FDA representative. The nature of these discussions is they can't commit to a definite answer, but of course, they also opened up the view here a little bit. Again, circuit endpoints around conditional approval being biopsy at this time and outcome trials, which the FDA would welcome, are of course difficult also from a sponsor's perspective, but also patient and investigator perspective. And it was a good discussion. So for personal reasons, not worth going into. I think people who know you two know and people who know the podcast know I've fundamentally been unable to travel since September. I was at Washington for one day for ASLD, but I didn't make it to Park City, although I wanted to. Didn't make it to California, although I wanted to, and I'm not going to make it to the liver form tomorrow, although I want to. Looking forward to seeing you guys again in Vienna, which will be my first, and will not be able to make it to Barcelona. Looking forward to joining you folks in Vienna at the end of June, which will be my first time out of the Pennsylvania area for, gosh, eight or nine months. So that's a meeting I'm sorry to have missed. It sounds like it was fantastic. With that, why don't we go to icebreakers? One good thing in the past week or one good thing in the next week? Why don't you make your icebreaker, not that it's a good thing, but talk a little bit about getting home. Well, the good thing is I got home on Tuesday morning. I had a red-eye flight, got into Frankfurt at 5.30 a.m. They have a welcome lounge. It's actually a nice thing, so you could shower up, and then I hit straight to clinic. I actually had a long day and a presentation, which was held online at the Paris Hepatology Conference uh, the same evening. So it was a long day. The good thing is I got home. I had planned differently, but there's, well, it's, uh, it's it's a public disagreement on how much weight should be paid to the people working at the airport. They took the liberty to take the day off on Monday. So <laughs> I got rewarded with a beautiful evening on Sunday in Los Angeles, which is not the best thing, but it was different than I planned. And uh, I have to say I had pleasant company. We had a great dinner and I had an early start then traveling all of Monday, arriving early morning Tuesday. So, These things happen to Germany too. Yeah. Uh, there's some disagreements and sometimes you have to go on strike. Uh, everybody was saying, hey, this is not France. And I don't think it's to the same extent, but of course, some union aspects here. It's the strength of the system that we have, participation of the employees and in that context. And I think they're settled it out. So So that was your strike issue. So Louise, your strike issue is upcoming, maybe? Uh, Yes. Well, no, it's going ahead. It'll just be an inconvenience. But no, I think we've got a lot of that at the moment. But Jean was the only person I know who could make a strike sound so polite and... Welcoming, And you have the, our king in your country who was doing a little bit of the um, political manoeuvring, both laughing at each other and with each other. I thought that was quite a mm-hmm. nice comment between Germany and the UK. His first official visit, because of course of the issues in France currently, a little bit more extreme than we, we But we've had a number, we've had a number of strikes, but I suppose my icebreaker of the week is we're, we've all been contacted or we're trying to contact all of the nurses from my set. And the photo of our um, first photo of the combined set of 49 nurses since back in the day even my husband couldn't pick me out I had dark hair and a lot of it and call me Farrah Fawcett I am naturally a brunette and he couldn't (laughs) well he knows that anyway but it is very funny the comments going around the WhatsApp group of people as we track you down 40 nearly 40 years later so it's going to be fun I'm not too sure I'm going to be in the country when we have the reunion just after Christmas but it's it's been very entertaining to actually hook up with old friends uh, that I'd lost contact with it's going to be a, a a nice thing going forward, even if I don't get to be at the reunion. So you said it was 40 years ago. What's it like to go to nursing school when you're six years old? Yes, I was a baby. More practical. <laughs> More practical. That's all I can say. And uh, I'm not against uh, academic learning, but I do think we need to put a bit more practicality back in rather than tick lists. Those are just my views. But I know a lot of, um, yeah, look, most people have actually probably left nursing. I'm one of the few that's still here. And in your case, really only kind of sort of, right? I mean, you you're still in nursing, but not in the same sense that you were. No. 
No. All right. So I'll make my icebreaker, my positive thing, actually, about the podcast. After chasing a bunch of attendance records for this podcast, we seem to hit them all in one month, one quarter. We never quite got to 25,000 in a quarter before. The last two quarters, we were 24-something. But this one, we're at about 28-something, maybe 29 when the quarter ends tomorrow. And we've never been over 10,000 in a month. And we are over 10,000 this month, despite the fact that we're posting our last episode on Friday morning, the 31st, instead of Wednesday evening, the 29th. Through the first 28 days, we were averaging 350 downloads a day, roughly. And the best previous month we'd ever had was about 325. And that was last month. And the best we had before that was 310. So obviously that's picking up. We had started picking up at an increasing rate followers on LinkedIn. I think 110 of those in the last quarter, which is the biggest quarter since the first quarter that we actually took followers through LinkedIn. And we've been growing our subscriber base, which you can only get into on the website by giving us email information at about 10 a week or 15 a week, which was three to four a week before this quarter. So thanks everybody who's just joining us now for the first time. And thanks everybody who's been with us for a long time and told your friends and colleagues about us, which is why they're now joining us for the first time. And thank you to Louise and Jorn who make all this possible. And also to Jake and to Mike and to Eric and to Steve and everybody else in the background. Congrats to the team, I think. It's the people uh, that uh, that are not on camera on tape here that really make magic out of this. And it's, it's great to hear that season four really brings us to new records. Yep. You could have argued this is uh, something you don't see uh, post-COVID anymore, but I'm happy to hear that we're reaching out. So, Jorn, my favorite conversation of the week was the one with you coming back from California and saying, you know, you think as long as we've been doing this, people will get tired of it already, but they keep telling me they really like it. So let's keep going. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email directly to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, we'll be joined by our friend Veronica Miller and others who participated in what promises to be a truly exciting, even inspiring Liber 14 meeting in Washington, D.C. this weekend. The meeting should be great and the session on it should be among our best. So until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you on podcast. Bye-bye now. Thank you.